we've had a lot of fun in the last week, and we've spent time with a lot of dear, dear friends and enjoyed it. But in the back of my mind the whole time was all those things I know we need to do back at the farm. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of March 16, 2011. Uh, you, your opening statement got right to the heart of the matter. We've had fun doing what we've done, but... They are distractions from what we have to be doing at the farm. And I don't mean distractions in the sense that they're insignificant. They are very significant in the lives of the people with whom we are interacting. And in our lives. And in our lives, absolutely. And wouldn't, you know, events not to be missed. But um, it's, um, it's sometimes difficult to come back here and then turn our attention to, man, we have all this work to do. Oh, no, I was having so much fun. <laughs> but we do have a lot of tasks, and we can talk a little bit today about what we've done and what is yet to be done. Um, or And it's all work in progress anyway. We've been... Um, well, you know, that's a good point. I hadn't planned to do this, but it's probably worth our spending a moment talking about what we have been able to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, like... Um, we, we have planted those have, 87 fruit trees. Right. I don't know how many posts we've sunk, probably 45 or so. And um, we've also, you've, you've done a whole lot of planting already out on Veg Hill. Right. I've, I've gone ahead and put the, um, some of the beginning of the early spring veg in. Some, uh, since we talked last week, I put some more um, spinach plants in. I put in some new collard plants beet seeds and uh, seeds for some some more spinach and have plans to put a few more in today. In addition to plans for today, we have, I counted, 13 more posts and we'll be finished with our posts. Which will be great yeah. to have that behind us. Um, so in the midst of putting those trellis posts in, we need to continue keeping a sharp eye on erosion here in March in central Alabama. This is our wettest month, and it has mm -hmm. been true to form. Yes. We've had an awful lot of rain here in quick succession. And unfortunately, we're not getting long, slow soaking showers. Little we're gentle getting, rains, yeah. We're getting brief, violent deluges. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a real problem for erosion on a hilltop farm like this. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um then, of course, after we finished sinking those trellis posts, we need to pull the trellis line. And that's sort of a solitary undertaking for me, we think. There's mm -hmm. no reason why two people will be able to do that a whole lot more easily than one. But so, I can be planting while you do and that. And you can be planting <laughs> while I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. Then we need to lay the drip hose, which, um, you know, yeah. now that we have our header in place, we're ready to begin pulling the hose out to the individual lines and the individual mm -hmm. trees. Mm -hmm. And, of course, once we've done the trellis line, we're ready to begin pruning the fruit trees to the line. Why mm -hmm. are we pruning in March? We should have been pruning in February, but... You know, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, and of course, as soon as that drip hose is down, I plan to do some mulching around each of the trees. 
and um, that will be a long, slow process. It will we be. We know from experience. Yeah. It doesn't happen quickly. No, no. The only ones that have been mulched thus far are the fig and pomegranate trees that aren't going to be, even though there will be drip hose and we'll have to lift that up, but they really needed to be protected from any cold that we had. And after we finished all of that, we still need to get that deer fence in place. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not trying to go with a barrier deer fence. We're going with a three-line electric deer fence, but mm -hmm. it's not going to be a chip shot. We'll have some no. hard work to do to get yeah. that in place. So both of us have this mental burden of the tasks we know need to be completed playing in our head all the time. But we didn't get as much progress made on it this week as we would have liked to because of all the fun things that were going on yeah. in our lives. And I, and I think we knew that last week would be, especially toward the end of the week, wouldn't be real productive. We had a, a family wedding to go to. Our niece Lindsay got married, and it was a beautiful wedding. And a lot of people from out of town came, so we got to see a lot of friends and relatives. Um, Spent two nights away from the farm yeah, doing that. Yeah, and then uh, you actually did a... A work day at our church. We had, they had some outdoor Which work blew to out do. one whole day. It was a great day. We had a, we were able to accomplish a lot of useful tasks. But that's one more day that I was not able to help here at the farm. And then we should mention that um, yet another thing. Actually, I went down. To, I have made two trips to uh, Birmingham. One for the funeral of a friend's mother, and then. Um, Another was, well, we've just been trying to sell our house, and the good news is we are selling it. Yay! We'll talk we more about that in the future. We are very excited about that. We hope to be sharing with you in detail all of those plans in the very near future. But it has been time-consuming. We went back yesterday to try to get some work done there, um, and I'm anticipating within the next two weeks I'll be spending even more time there with packing. and So it just it takes time away from what we have to do here. So my question for you, Farmer Borden, is how big a problem is this, and how can we cope? Well, I've tried to be circumspect about it because selling this house is something we've wanted to do for a long time, and uh, it's just got to jump to the top of the priority list. There's selling just no... this house, meaning our house in the suburbs, yes. not, this, not the house not where the we house live Not the house we're now. in, right, to, to clarify, to the house that... Well, I don't really call this a house. That's but true. This is the barn. <laughs> the barn apartment. <laughs> but selling the house has been a priority. And um, I think I can get a lot of the early spring veg planted in the next few days and then probably plant the summer veg about the time I had originally planned to, which is after the first average, I mean, the last average frost which I think we calculated to be March 31st, right? That's right. Here in Alabama, here in central Alabama, where we are, that's around the 1st of April. Um, and I should say that our little seedlings, um, that we're, we'll talk more about hardening them off, but I'm projecting that unless something bad happens, they will be ready to put in the ground by that time. So. And, uh, you know, just a brief word about that. It's a digression, but it's probably a digression worth making. The conventional wisdom here in central Alabama is you plant your summer garden on Good Friday. Yeah. That's, it's sort of written down in Ecclesiastes somewhere that that's the day you plant your garden. <laughs> the, the, the Alabama version of Ecclesiastes. There you go. <laughs> and we are flagrantly disregarding this convention uh, because, as you know, here um, in 2011, Good Friday is in late April. And we're just yeah. not willing to wait that long. So. I'm really not. Even though, you know, things are getting in the, I mean, it would be easy to have that 
excuse to say, well, I'm just going to wait and then all this house business will have cleared. But the fact of the matter is, I'm hoping the house business will have cleared and still allow me to plant most of that garden in early April. Exactly, because that's when the last frost, av the average last frost occurs. And parenthetically, here in 2011, I, our last frost was in mid-February, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, we've had some down in the mid-30s kind mm -hmm. of nights, but mm -hmm. not anything that uh, approaching what we what we had last year, even. So, you know, I'm I'm inclined to think to take a risk and try to get most of the planting done in April, early April. And on that subject, I guess we are gaining a little more confidence. Yes, we still consider ourselves beginners. Yes, we know we have a lot to learn, but we're gaining more confidence in our judgment about when to do things. And I came in and told you the other day, I've, I'm aware that I'm traveling along the learning curve, and mm -hmm. so are you. Yeah. It was startling to me the utter calm the other day with which I cut into a water line, installed a T, routed electric line through a trench, and put in the irrigation header out in the orchard. There was none of it that really scared me. It was just tedious. Mm -hmm. you know, I knew it had to be done, and it took a while to do but there was nothing about it that scared me or that I was, you know, afraid I would do in the wrong way or anything. It's just one of those things you have to do. Yeah. That is a long way from where I was when we began. <laughs> That's the truth. And by the way, I have to commend your back-breaking hard work on that. You had decided that it wasn't worth renting the trencher this time to do. the. <laughs> so you were out there just with the sheer sweat of your brow digging those trenches and installing all that. Including yeah. trenching across our clay gravel driveway, which, and, and I'm not complaining, but clay gravel here in central Alabama sets up pretty much like asphalt. It, <laughs> it really is does. as hard as it can be. That's one reason we have such a nice, smooth driveway, considering it's just clay gravel, you know, but uh, yeah. So anyway, you got that done. Yeah. And that and, was a huge. And uh, that's behind us. And I'm excited about getting started with the trellis line because I have a new tool. These are wire rope cutters. Cutting aircraft cable has become an interesting challenge for me. I was trying to use my lineman's pliers to do it, mm -hmm. and I could eventually get through the aircraft cable, but in the process of cutting it, I would end up fraying the ends. So now I have purchased this specialty tool called a wire rope cutter, and it cuts a nice, smooth point in the aircraft cable so you can use it to. And in our case, that's critical because I've got to thread it through the little hole in the trellis post. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and getting to work with that. Well, that's good. I'm glad those came in time for you to, to do that part of the project, to complete that. Um, so you can be a little more relaxed about precision on those trellis posts? Well, that's a, I guess that's a separate issue. I noticed... When we put the trellis posts out on Veg Hill, where we have muscadines and where we hope one day to have kiwi, right. it was critically important to me to have the trellis posts line up like little toy soldiers. Just ve And they do. They're pretty straight. And yeah, they are, they are lined up just as precisely as you can imagine. And I couldn't tell you why. I just knew it was real important to me that they line up. And they do. Well... 
I guess over time, I've come to focus on what really makes a difference in production. And it occurred to us that the Arc, Ozark Premier Plum really doesn't care whether that post is one half inch to the north or one half <laughs> inch to the south. All that matters is giving it some support. So here, as we install posts for the uh, the exp- orchard expansion, you and I both have become much more relaxed about whether they line up yeah. precisely. Well, I mean, we want it to look good. but We want it to look good, and it it's does. It's fine. It really does look pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's kind of nice, though, not to have to be completely anal about every little post that goes out there. Yeah. Um, but, so we'll we'll try to, we have, as I said, two, really, it's three more lines left to do. It's between the the large we put these large posts in, six these by sixes. Six by sixes. For the muscadine. The end um, posts end are six posts. by sixes. Right. And the interior posts are four by fours. And that's what we have left. So we have three rows of those four by fours to put in today. And uh, like I said earlier, we'll be done. Yay. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that's going on here, worth mentioning, is uh, I mentioned the seedlings earlier. That We have Cherokee purple tomatoes and a few celebrities, most of those didn't germinate for some reason, um, and some uh, Valencia and some Illini Gold. We are alums of the University of Illinois, and I just couldn't resist. Um, and they were actually doing pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I could not resist getting a, a starting a tomato plant from seed developed at our old alma mater. By far the most success we've ever had starting seed. I know. I know. The, this year, for the first time, we've sort of done it by the book. We used a, a heat mat for the seeding boxes. We used these soil blocks made with a soil block maker we got from Johnny's Seed. We used uh, gr- we had a grow light with three twin fluorescent fixtures poised just over the seedlings, and we've kept them watered well. We kept them nice and warm and and blessed with light, and they've done remarkably well. And the light's on a timer so that it comes on for the appropriate they got about 18 hours a day. Of course, right now we're in the process of weaning them of all of that. And I was going to talk about that. We do have two other kinds of seeds that germinated a little bit later than the tomatoes, but we we basically started them at the same time, and those are two kinds of peppers. I have some Anaheim uh, warmish hot-to-hot peppers, and then I have some King Arthur Bell peppers so. and those peppers look best of all oh, they, they look, look so pretty? healthy and green I and know. happy i know so anyway we as you said the weaning um we were already planning to start that pretty soon anyway partly because they're getting so big they look ready but um i was reading in this organic gardening magazine it's a rodale's publication and there was just happened to be a little um blurb about how to, to best process of hardening off seedlings. One person had suggested what seems to me to be delightfully simple. You take two weeks to do the complete hardening off process. The first week, and of course the the seedlings need to stay at 50 degrees or above, so until we get 50 degree evenings we're having to bring them back inside during the night. But during the day you take one week and you put the seedlings out on a north-facing porch, basically someplace that they don't get any direct sunlight. Okay. And we do have um, a north side to our big porch under mm-hmm. the pole barn. So we are doing that now. And then the following week, which will be, will start on Sunday, you put them on the eastern 
side of your porch so that they will get morning sun only. Okay. And, uh, of course, keep them watered and that kind of thing. But you don't have to baby them. Kind of let them dry out and then give them some water when they need to. Um, and after that, they're ready to put out in the garden. And I bet we need to cut back on the water that last week, don't we? I think so, yes. I'll reread that article as we get closer. But that's part of it. You don't want them to always be expecting that level of moisture. And do we do anything to provide artificial light to them during the first week? No, we did yesterday because we forgot and left them inside while we were gone. (laughs) So we had to do a little makeup light. (laughs) We gave them some fluorescent light last night. But normally, I think the whole idea is for them to learn to get their light during the daytime when they're going to get it once they're in the ground and at night it's dark. Sounds good. So we'll see. So that's our plan. And we'll let you know how that hardening off process uh, goes. In the past, I've done the painstaking, uh, oh, let me put them out under the shade of a tree because, you know, I've read all about let them get filtered sunlight, but not too direct. But this, if it works, it's just so elegantly simple that, now I will say this, the Rodale's publication, the organic, Organic Gardening Magazine article suggested the north facing the first week they should be not in a really breezy area, and they need to be in a breezier location the second week. They're getting some, whatever breeze comes through. Yeah, you know, we can't keep protect them from the breeze. We simply Sorry. do not have any sheltered from There's the sun. There's no such thing as breeze-free here. Yeah, we don't have that. And Well, I guess if we had a screen... That's why we call the place Longleaf Breeze. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, And, you know, those, those plants are going to have to live in a breezy location, so, hey, get used to it. But anyway, we're doing the best we can with what we've got, and we'll keep you posted about that. Yeah. And I, I should say that I've been pretty relaxed about knocking them around even before we began hardening them off. You know, it doesn't bother me at all for them to hit the top of the fluorescent bulb as as we're pulling them in and out of the bulb. Well, that bothered me, but we should let everybody know we're not of one mind on that. I was really wanting to baby them. But they're doing great, and let's hope they continue to because we love tomatoes and peppers. Well, I guess that's about all the time we have for today, so we uh, hope that you have a good week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.